Through the laying on of hands. Hebrews chapter 6. Apostle Paul writing to the church, including International Prayer Resort, tells us by the Spirit that therefore, and the word therefore doesn't begin a sentence, meaning that you can take advantage and read the preceding verses when you go home of chapter 5. Or the concluding verses in chapter 5. But in chapter 6 of Hebrews, he said, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Verse 2, he says, Of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Somebody say amen. These are fundamental principles. The Bible calls it elementary. I hope all of us went to elementary school. Those of us who went to school. Did you go to elementary school? Yeah, before you went to uh, secondary and then you went to the university and did your PhD and became a professor. Everybody has a fundamental or elementary you know, background. Likewise, scripture tells us that these things we are going to teach are elementary to the believer. So if a believer doesn't know these things, then what are you building on? It is important that you know, for my people perish because they do not know. Today, knowledge shall be imparted. So we have established the fact that there is what we call the doctrine. The word doctrine means teaching. The teaching of the laying on of hands. What is laying on hands all about? Let me go to the next scripture, Mark chapter 16. This is our Lord Jesus Christ himself talking here in Mark 16. Are you there? Mark chapter 16, let's read verses 17 and 18. This is our Lord Jesus Christ talking here, he said, and these signs will follow those who believe. So he's talking to every believer. Am I addressing believers in this house today? He says, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Have you seen why when you're a believer and you haven't received the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking new tongues, something is wrong? Because Jesus said it here, that they will speak with new tongues. Verse 18, they will take up serpents. Does that mean you should go and look for serpents and carry them? No. And if they drink any deadly thing, anything deadly, it will, not, it will by no means hurt them. Does that mean you should go and look for acid and drink it because it will not hurt you? All right. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Let me ask another question here. Does that mean that you should go and look for any sick person anywhere and start laying hands on? I like the answer. The answer is what? No. Because you will find out from the scriptures why no. Although he has told us that they will lay hands on the sick. The believer will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. The problem with a lot of God's people is that they have not understood what we have treated as a subject in the past two weeks. First, receiving the Holy Spirit and then number two, baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then in our understanding, we got to know that through baptism in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit must have the right of way. The Holy Spirit must have the lead. The Holy Spirit must have the first place. The Holy Spirit must have the preeminence. So when the Holy Spirit is given the right of way, then he now leads you in the way that you should go. He will tell you this one, lay hands. He will give the indication. He will give the prompting. He will give the witness. He will tell you this one, don't lay hands. Hallelujah. 
So it is true that scripture says they will lay hands. Believers will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But it does not mean that you go about, if you, as we go on, you will get to know that, oh, so this is the reason why some people went to lay hands and they got trouble. There's a young guy, for instance, Ojasius. When you say somebody's Ojasius, I hope you understand. He's on fire. Zeal, but he didn't know these things. Zeal without knowledge. So he knows that scripture says that you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And because of the misconception, listen to what I'm going to say, because of the misconception that when somebody receives the Holy Spirit and starts speaking in tongues, many have believed that it therefore means they are baptized in the Spirit. This boy just received the Holy Spirit, started speaking in tongues, and went to somebody who had a mental disorder and went to lay hands on him. I command you, Jesus said, you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I command you, come out of him. Before he knew it, he started behaving mental himself. Are you there? I said before he knew it, he started what? Behaving mental himself. You will see why that thing happened to him. So, if we as a church will not embrace the reality, the understanding that receiving the Holy Spirit is not the same as baptism in the Holy Spirit, we can also make such mistakes. Are you there? That is why God led us to teach these two subjects in the past two weeks. First, receiving the Holy Spirit. Number two, getting filled with the Spirit until the Spirit has the right of way. When he has the right of way, it means he is the one leading and he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you. There are places where he tell you, don't. Just walk away. Was he not the same person when Apostle Paul and his companions wanted to go to Mysia? He told them, don't go. He wanted, they wanted to go to Bithynia. He said, don't go. But they saw in a vision a man from Macedonia telling them, come over to Macedonia and help us. Was it not Jesus who told us, go into all the world and preach the gospel? So how come the same gospel that is supposed to be preached everywhere in the world, when they wanted to go to a certain place, the Holy Spirit said, don't go. It tells you that when the Holy Spirit has the right of way, he guides you where to go and what to do at what time. Are you there? This gospel work is not about, okay, I have received the Holy Spirit, I speak in tongues, so I can just do anything. No. We work with the Holy Spirit. He is our leader. He is the supervisor. He is here as the helper. Let him take the lead and he will lead you in the right way. Hallelujah. I said something last week and even yesterday and I want to say it again that when the Holy Spirit has the right of way, when he's given the right of way, he will lead you in the right way. And when he has the first place, everything will fall in place. Hallelujah. Tell you about when the Holy Spirit is given the right of way in your life, he will guide you in the right way. And when you give the Holy Spirit the first place in your life, everything will fall in place. So we can use this to assess ourselves. Why are things not falling in place? Chances are that the Holy Spirit doesn't have the first place. Hallelujah. You see how simple Christian, the Christian life is? It's all about giving the Holy Spirit the first place in our lives. That's all. So you avoid unnecessary troubles. Glory be to God. Okay, let's look at a typical man like Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, because he was an apostle sent to the Gentile, he wrote a lot of things for the Gentile church, which has become part of the New Testament. As a matter of fact, two thirds of the New Testament were written by Apostle Paul. And we benefit so much from his practice and his teaching and his writing. So we can look at Acts chapter 28, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 28. Let me just read verse 7 and 8. And you see Apostle Paul demonstrating the very thing that Jesus has told us in Mark 16 that we should do. Acts 28, verse 7 and 8. The Bible says, In that region there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, if I pronounce it well, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days, there's eight. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed. Take note of the next line. And he laid his hands on him and he healed him. Did you hear that? This is exactly what Jesus Christ said. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall what? Recover. Apostle Paul is demonstrating it here. Somebody was sick, he just went in, prayed, and when he lay hands, he healed him. What is it about laying on of hands? I'm sure as we go on, 
we will discover more. Somebody say amen. Now, look at this same Apostle Paul who went to lay hands. Look at his instruction to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy 5, verse 22. Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, that was his son in the Lord. And he had even, you know, Timothy had become a bishop of the church that was in the Ephesus region. Hmm? And as a pastor, a young pastor, Paul tells him, he said, in verse 22 of 1 Timothy 5, he said, Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. Somebody say amen. This is, we are going into the mystery of laying on hands now. The man who went laying hands on somebody and the person got healed is telling another pastor, a young pastor, somebody that he had brought up in the Lord, that do not lay hands hastily on anyone. The King James says, lay hands suddenly on no man. Somebody say, lay hands suddenly on no man. The next line is very revealing. The next line says what? Nor share in other people's sins. Does that not tell you something that when hands are laid, there is a connection? Did you hear what I said? When hands are laid, there is what? There's a connection. Such that whatever you have, you impart it. If you have nothing and somebody has sins, he will also impart it. This is the reason for the infilling of the Spirit. I believe that a man or men like the seven sons of Sceva, you know they were empty. How do you know that? In Acts chapter 19, they were empty. They didn't have, they were only sons of um, a priest, a Jewish priest. And they saw Paul preaching in the name of Jesus, casting out devils in the name of Jesus, doing signs and wonders and miracles in the name of Jesus. So they went to this man, obviously who was demon possessed. And they felt that they could, and Bible says they were exorcists. Who is an exorcist? Somebody who casts out devils, is that right? So probably they had means of exorcising, you know, people from their demons. But they were not doing that in the name of Jesus. And therefore they didn't have that authority. So for them to become more famous in their work of exorcism, they went to this man who was obviously demon possessed and said that in the name of Jesus Christ, whom Paul preaches, we adjure you, come out of this man. Meanwhile, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. They were not born again. Paul did all those things not by his power. He did it in the name of Jesus, but by the power of the Holy Ghost. He was a man full of the Spirit. He was a man anointed for that purpose. So if he says, come out, definitely the demons will come out. So in the case of these seven sons of Sceva, the demons actually spoke through the man and told these seven, that Paul I know, Jesus I know, who are you? And the Bible says that the demon in the man pounced on these seven and started beating them up. To the extent that read your Bible in Acts chapter 19, the Bible says they left, they actually ran through a window and they left wounded and naked. Naked and wounded. That will not be your story in the name of Jesus Christ. Said so that you have an encounter with a demon and the demon overpowered you and then you were left naked and wounded. I said that will not be your story nor your experience in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to believe that these seven sons of Sceva must have seen Paul lay hands. So they said in the name of Jesus. When they did it, they had forgotten that, look, it's not by mind, it's not by power, it's by the Spirit of the Lord. Did I say they, they have forgotten? They didn't even know. They thought that they could just use that name. Whereas they didn't have any relationship with the name Jesus. So they suffered for it. Hallelujah. You will not suffer because you are getting the knowledge right now. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ. So the question is, what was it that made hands to be laid on some people and then instead of the people getting the, the results, rather the contrary happened. Uh, Hebrews, rather. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 7, we explain that better. Hebrews 7 7. Can we go there? Hebrews chapter 7 verse 7. Oh, I like, I like this, this verse. verse. 
Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. I like that. The King James says, without all contradiction. In other words, this one is undisputable. We are not contradicting ourselves. We are just telling you that the lesser is blessed by the better. Can I give you a picture of what he means by the lesser and the better? Please, I'm asking a question. Can I give you? Just look up for a moment. Let me show you something. I believe that all those of us who studied mathematics in school, whether elementary or secondary or university, you know what we call gradient. Do you know gradient? Okay, gradient. Mr. Sutherland is smiling. I like that. This is an engineer. <laughs> you know, the only engineer is listening to your mathematical calculation. He wants to know what you want to say. God, be the God. Gradient is what? There's a slope. Is that not so? We have one person at the lower part. Let's call it the lesser. And then the top part of the gradient, let's call it the better. Is that okay? So without all contradiction, he says, the lesser is blessed by the better. What is scripture saying here? In fact, if you read Hebrews chapter 7, he was actually dealing with impartation and laying on of hands and all that, that, that. But I just picked this verse to just give you a picture of how anointing can be transferred. Anointing is transferred or imparted when there is a gradient. In other words, the one at the receiving end is so open such that he has not closed up. He is not... He is not, he is not caught in. There is a room for what is from the better to be released into the one that is lesser. Whenever hands are laid, a gradient is created. Whenever. That is why he told Timothy, do not lay hands hastily on anyone. Neither be partakers of other men's sins. Why? Because there can be a time when you are not sure of yourself. Do you know it's not every time we are filled with the Spirit? It's not every time. So he tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18, don't be drunk with wine in which is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Other version says, ever be filled. It must be a continuous daily experience. And last week we saw how to be filled with the Spirit. He says, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and in spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You must live that lifestyle every day. Making melody in your heart, speaking in tongues, singing in tongues, singing spiritual songs, edifying songs, and you get yourself full. If you do not do that, and you step out there, and you believe that, okay, you're a believer, you speak in tongues, so you can just go and lay hands. A gradient is created anytime you lay hands. So if there is nothing in you, if you're not filled with the Spirit, and the person is laden with sins, did you hear that? If the person has lived all kinds of lustful, Leaving, he is in fact demons have now inspired him to higher level of sins. What is going to happen is that once you lay hands before you realize, because you are not filled, yes, you are a child of God, because the person is full of sins, there is now a transference of his sins into you. So you find somebody who was not an adulterer all of a sudden because he wants to lay hands on somebody who is living a life of adultery, all of a sudden he starts, he starts committing adultery everywhere. So what happened? Because without all contradiction, the lesser is blessed of the better. So if the person is, is, is better in adultery, and you are nothing, I mean you are, you are filled with nothing, certainly there's a gradient. So there's a flow. Instead of you, what, do, what have you to impart? That's the question. You must be sure that you have something to impart. That is why you are laying hands. So once you lay hands, you know, a gradient created is going to release what you have into the person. But if you're not sure, do not lay hands suddenly, hastily on anyone. Am I communicating, people of God? Alright. So those of us who are in the business of, okay, I'm filled with the Spirit. Or rather, I have received the Holy Spirit as speaking tongues. So everywhere you start laying hands. Wow. Let it be by the leading of the Spirit. That is why our services begin with prayer, with praise and worship. It is all about building that atmosphere where the Spirit of God will take the first place so that anybody who stands here will be used of God, not, I mean, according to his own will, but according to the will of God. Hallelujah. I remember there's a story. 
I wasn't there, but I was told the story of a man of God who was ministering in a meeting. And whilst he was laying hands, here was this great apostle in your midst who has done mighty works in this nation. It was only because he was going through some challenges and he heard of this other man of God, great man of God also ministering, so he was in the meeting. And then, this man of God who was ministering was just laying hands. He laid hands, he laid hands, he laid hands. When he got to this great apostle, the lesser is blessed of the better. So he laid hands on this man. Instead of the man going under anointing, he rather fell under anointing. He stood up again, laid hands, and he went under anointing. The groom. The lesser is blessed of the better. Be sure who you are laying hands on. Hallelujah. That is why the Spirit of God must guide you. There are times where I'll be ministering and the Spirit of God says, don't lay hands, just hold the person's hands. Because you're not sure. When you're not sure, you know that you don't want to hastily. I do that a lot. I do that a lot. Sometimes I'm not led to lay hands and I just stay off. Sometimes it is just speak the word, it is safer. Because at least you are dealing from afar. But when you are sure and you know that this one is it's not your hand by the hands of God, then you do it. Hallelujah. I might blessing somebody this morning. Without all contradiction, the lesser is blessed with the better. Okay, let's see an example of how the lesser was blessed with the better in Deuteronomy chapter 34. This is Moses. Deuteronomy 34 verse 9. The Bible says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, N-U-N, was full of the spirit of wisdom. Look at the, the, the next punctuation mark is what? Comma. For Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Somebody say amen. amen. Moses was about to leave the earth. God had actually told him that go to this mountain and go and die. The man was refusing to die at 120. He was still agile, full of strength. The Bible says his natural force was not abated, nor his sight dim. At 120, he was told as if he was 40. And God said, hey, hey, you are not going to the mountain. I mean, to the promised land. You know you messed up already. So go to the mountain and die. And before he departed, he needed to impart. Someone say impart. The wisdom with which Moses led the people from Egypt through the wilderness. And they were just about to enter the promised land. He needed to impart that wisdom before he, he goes to the mountain to die. So he had to do what? Lay his hands on Joshua, who was his servant, his attendant. Joshua was always with Moses wherever Moses went. Whenever Moses went to the mountain, he was always down there waiting on his master. And he was to take over. But how could Joshua carry the great mantle that Moses carried, except Moses transferred through a gradient? Someone say gradient. So he laid his hands on Joshua and the Bible says Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom. Someone say the spirit of wisdom. I hope you know the seven spirits of God. The spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of no, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. But it starts with the spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. One day we'll teach on the seven spirits of God. Hallelujah. All right. So that was how Joshua took over. And he had the wisdom to indeed lead the people, not only to the promised land, but to help them get their, the portions that belong to every tribe in the promised land. Joshua was a conqueror, a great conqueror. He did not take the credit for himself. The Bible said the people heeded him. In other words, they listened to Joshua just like they did Moses. Why? Because Moses had imparted something through the laying on of hands. I know some people who are very careful who lays hands on them, and you are right to do that because you don't know what is going to be transferred. Is that okay? When you are not sure, don't present your head. I said, when you are not sure, do what? Don't present your head. Because this head must not lack oil. Bible says your head should never lack ointment. And let your garments be white. He's talking about power and purity. Power and purity. And power always go, goes with purity. 
if you are carrying power and you are contaminated, that is why he says, don't, don't be, he said, he told Timothy, don't lay your hands sensibly on anyone, neither be partakers of other men's sins, then say, keep yourself pure, because purity goes with power. The two are synonymous. When you are carrying power and there is impurity, my God, that's a time bomb. One day it will explode. God is going to separate truth from error. Just as he will separate the church from this world through the rapture. We will not see ourselves the way we are without knowing the difference between truth and error in this end time. God is going to separate truth from error. Why? Because truth is different from error. Are you there? When somebody is in error, you just know that this one is outright error. You can avoid him. When somebody is also speaking the truth or living the truth, you know that this is complete truth. You can follow that person. But when truth and error are mingled together, it is called deception. Some say deception. It depends on which one has the greater magnitude. If truth is more than error, it's very difficult to detect that deception. Very, very difficult. You need greater discernment to know that, ah, this person, what he's saying is truth. But there is some element of, it's like the truth has been adulterated with error. And yet the error is so little, so it takes a discerning heart to know that this is deception. But when the error is more than the truth, that one, you know that, ah, this person is deceiving us. In the name of Jesus Christ, before Jesus comes, truth will be separated from error. I'm prophesying. And you will get to know that, oh, some people that had used truth and error in deceiving God's people will all of a sudden begin to confess with their own mouth. I'm prophesying that this is what I've been doing, you know. Although I've been speaking the truth, but this is what I've been adding. That is why things are happening like this. They will confess before Jesus comes. Other than that, many millions of people all over the world who have been deceived will go into the everlasting fire. Whereas Jesus Christ died for them as well. So before Jesus comes, truth, write it anywhere it shall come to pass, shall be separated from error. Somebody say amen. Let's go on to first Timothy chapter 4. We have seen an example of how anointing can be imparted. Let's see how Paul also did it in the life of Timothy. First Timothy 4 verse 14. 1 Timothy 4, 14. Paul writing to Timothy again said, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Somebody say amen. I like that. Paul is telling Timothy that there was a gift that was imparted into your life. And it's in you. And he tells him, do not neglect it. Do you know gifts can be neglected? Not that the gift is not there, it's there. All of us, one day when we teach on the gifts of the Spirit, you get to know that every one of us is supposed to covet. The only place God allows covetousness is when it comes to spiritual gifts. He said, covet spiritual gifts, especially that you, you may what? That you may what? Talk to me, children of God. Hey, First Corinthians chapter 12, he says, Covet spiritual gifts, especially that you may what? Prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesies, what, that's what? Edifies the church. Paul was a wise master builder. He calls himself as a wise master builder of laid the foundation. And he was always mindful, not of only individuals, but the church. So every time he's looking at the the the, the bigger picture, the total well-being, not just of individuals, but the entire church. And he knew that one peculiar gift that can do the job more than any other gift is the gift of prophecy. Some say the gift of prophecy. Because with the gift of prophecy, I pray two weeks from now, that's on the 10th of June, I pray because God gave me a message I've preached before, but I want to title it, What is your level in the prophetic? Ask your neighbor, what is your level in the prophetic i have taught on levels of the prophetic before that was in december about 18 december or thereabout but i want to now teach it in another way where we will use that teaching to identify 
our level in the prophetic because the church is supposed to be a prophetic assembly the prophetic simply means the will of God where I am I am using my life everything about me to bring you up in the Lord and likewise you're also doing the same we edify one another hallelujah so what is your level in the prophetic two weeks from now next week Sunday is our communion Sunday and I'll be teaching on discerning the Lord's body somebody say discerning the Lord's body it will prepare the ground for the next two weeks message discerning the Lord's body all right hallelujah people of God are you following so he says do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by prophecy so Paul prophesied but after they prophesied the Bible said the eldership the presbytery the elders and I believe that by July into August and September God would have raised the eldership of international prayer resort I'm talking about people who are deacons Deacons are not bosses, they are servants. They may be businessmen, but they are businessmen to serve, not to be saved. Are you there? So they don't do it by their business skill, but they do it by the giftings of the spirit. So these were not apostles who even laid hands on Timothy, but they were the eldership, the deacons. They laid hands on him, prophesied into his life as a pastor, and then there was a gift that was transferred through the laying on of hands. It was called the gift of leadership hallelujah no matter timothy in history timothy was one of the great pastors that has ever known i mean the world has ever known hallelujah but he received that gift through the laying on of hands don't give what you do not have are you there all right let's go on to romans chapter one romans one paul had planted a church in rome Remember, Rome is in Italy, is that right? And as an apostle to the Gentile church, he was, I like Paul for one thing. Paul one day said that, he told the, 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 the same Roman church, he said that, I have planted churches everywhere and having no more room. Hey, he didn't have any more room where to plant church again. So he said, I now want to come back to, hey, this was a great laborer. Can we say that in our generation where we say there's no more room for us to plant churches? The man had planted churches everywhere. He had overseen a lot of churches. He said he did not labor in another man's field. So he always went to where it was dry and it was empty and they had never heard the gospel. That was Paul's policy. And having no more room, he said he was coming back to them to just go and bless them. Look at what he said in Romans chapter 1. This man, Paul the Apostle. I believe he's listening to us from heaven. Say, you are preaching my message, eh? Romans 1, 9 to 11. He said, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Do you see where it begins from? If you do not live a lifestyle of prayer, how can you impart something? You cannot go and impart something to somebody you have not genuinely prayed for. Look at what Paul said in the verse... 10. All right. Verse 10, it says, Making requests, if by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Oh, the man was always ready to do the will of God. He just said, I just want to come to you, but I want to find a way that is in the will of God. If it is God's will, I want to come to you. For what? Look at verse 11. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. Amen. Say amen. amen. Can I say that prophetically, this is where International Prayer Resort has gone into prophetically. Through the wisdom of God and not any man's wisdom, but the wisdom of God, this is how far International Prayer Resort has come. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 24, maybe we can turn there and I'll tell, I'll tell you Proverbs 24. You will see why I'm saying that this is where we have got into. Proverbs chapter 24. Today, I'm just going through the scriptures and allowing the scriptures to talk. Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. Paul said, oh, did I say Paul? Oh, everything is Paul, forgive me. 
<laughs> Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4. It says, True wisdom is a house built. Did you hear that? And by understanding, it is established. Verse 4 says, By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. We are getting there in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you know the rooms? Your heart, your life, your marriage, your career, your business, your finances, your health, your academic life. The rooms are filled because you are not the house of the Lord. Is that not so? True wisdom is a house built. That's why I said that by the wisdom of God and no man can take credit for that. This is how far International Prayer Resort has come. But where we have gone into, the Lord now wants to establish us. And what brings establishment? Talk to me. What brings establishment? By understanding it is established. Understanding. Someone say understanding. understanding. So when Paul told the Roman church in Romans chapter 1, 9 to 11, that for I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. What do you think Paul was communicating? He was talking about a gift that can enable them to get supernatural understanding so they will be established as a church. I think I said about a week or two ago that what, I think it was last week, that what the church of Jesus Christ all over the world lacks now is understanding. What is understanding, can I ask? What is understanding? Understanding is that force that converts words into pictures. When somebody is talking and there is the spirit of understanding, the force of understanding at work, the words you are hearing becomes pictures in your mind. So you hear the person say, oh, I see. I see. What is he seeing? He's seeing it with his mind's eye. I see. I get it. I get it. I'm getting you. I'm getting you. That means understanding is what? It's entry. Understanding is that force that converts words into pictures. And when that happens, it dissolves doubts. If Thomas, for instance, had gotten the understanding that Jesus Christ needed to die and rose again, he wouldn't have said that, look, until I see him, and touch him and feel him, I will not believe. He would never have said that. He had doubts because he didn't have understanding. Their minds were blinded. The Bible says, if our gospel is hidden, it is hidden from those who are lost, whom the God of this world has blinded them in their minds, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine in their hearts and they be saved. So when you want to go and save somebody from darkness into Christ, you first pray. Hallelujah. Other than that, you may be saying good words, and yet it is hitting blindness. The person is not getting what they're saying. He will tell you, somebody dying for me. What does that mean? Dying, and you say it's good news. Get out of my sight. Well, that's, that's the good news. Hallelujah. Because the person lacks what? Understanding. Understanding is what establishes us. Understanding will establish your business. It will establish your marriage. It will establish your health situation. Some of us don't understand. When prophecies are even given, they don't even understand. They don't get it. So Satan comes, like Jesus gave the parable, when the, the seed, the word is sown, and it lands on what? A rocky soil, for it, like the bears will come and take away the word. Someone say understanding. Can I tell you how understanding comes? What I'm going to say has, I've never, this is truth, I have never heard it taught anywhere. We all learn from one another in the body of Christ. Nobody is complete in himself. We are complete in Christ. Hallelujah. So there are a lot of things that I have also learned from great men of God and women of God all over the world. But what I'm going to say right now, I have never, I got it by revelation. I have never heard it taught anywhere. But the Spirit of God, when he brought this subject of the laying on of hands, said that this is the key. If your people will get it, they will open up to receive this gift through impartation and understanding will come into your house and IPR as a church will be established. So I am entering the prophetic now. Hallelujah. What I'm going to say is a prophetic message to us. First Corinthians chapter 13. Take note of not only the tenses but also the punctuation mark. When you're reading the Bible, take note of the punctuation mark because everything matters. Full stop matters. Comma matters. Semicolon matters. Hyphen matters. Are you there? 
they were not put there for decoration. They were put there for emphasis and for communication. First Corinthians chapter 13, let me read from verse 1, though that's not my emphasis. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not laughed, I have become sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. So in verse 1, he's dealing with tongues of men and of angels. When we spoke about receive the Holy Spirit, we said when one receives the Holy Spirit, he receives both. It could be tongues of men, yet he himself doesn't understand what he's saying. So it is unknown tongues. Do you remember? All right. So here, the gift Paul is referring to in verse 1 is what? Tongues. Some say the gift of tongues, speaking in other tongues. Let's go to verse 2 and let's see the gifts that he mentioned. He said, and though I have the gift of prophecy, comma, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, what is the punctuation mark? A semicolon in King James, but it's comma in the New King James. Whichever way, I've said it here before, that semicolon is a long pause, comma is a short pause. Whichever way, there is a pause. Not a full stop. Praise the Lord. So, let's say that the first sentence where there's a comma after knowledge or semicolon after knowledge is separate from the other sentence which says, And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not loved, I am nothing. Take note of two things here. Two things are mentioned powerfully and expounded on in verse 2. Two things are mentioned. He is dealing with, he said, though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Then he put either semicolon or comma. Then he said, and although I have the gift of faith so that I can remove all mountains and I have not loved, I am what? I am nothing. So what are the two gifts that I mentioned in verse 2? Verse 1, we saw the gift of what? Speaking in tongues. Verse 2, how many gifts are mentioned there? Please, how many gifts are mentioned there? Did he say four? He said four because you don't know the gifts of the spirit. <laughs> the gifts of the spirit are word of knowledge, word of wisdom, descending of spirits. We call them, you know, the, 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 the knowing gifts. And then we have the gift of faith, the gifts of working of miracles, and then the gift, no, the gift of working of miracles, and then the gifts of healing. They are the power gifts. And then we have the gift of speaking in tongues, and then the gift of interpretation of tongues and then the gift of prophecy they are the vocal gifts one day we'll teach on spiritual gifts so you are pardoned when you say four i mentioned there it's not four so two gifts are mentioned there one is vocal gift which is the gift of prophecy and the other one is the power gift which is the gift of faith do you know there is something called the power gift power gift is where we, you don't need to hear the person has some audacious faith it is not the faith that comes as the fruit of the spirit. I'm talking about the gift of faith. It's a power gift. It's different from the fruit of faith. In Galatians chapter 5, the Bible talks about the, the fruit of the spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. One, the, 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 one of the aspects of the fruit is faith. The New King James says faithfulness. But I believe it's faith. It's a fruit. Once you are born again, you have a measure of faith. There is the measure of the Bible says by gift, by, by grace are you saved through faith. So faith is imparted when you hear the gospel. It is not the same as the gift of faith. Are you there, people of God? Please let me your ears. Let me just get the distinction. I'm going somewhere that will land on you know some prophetic moments, and we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna zoom in the spirit like never before. I'm talking about the fruit of faith, different from the gift of faith. The fruit of faith. It's imparted to your spirit. Once you're born again, you are recreated. You become a new creation. You have love in you. Romans 5, 5 says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And that same Holy Spirit also gives joy, which is independent of your circumstance. Some people depend on happiness. They want to be happy. But joy doesn't depend on whether you are happy or not. There is joy. The joy of the Lord is a strength. With joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. When your joy is knocked out, I'm telling you, you are finished. There is nobody that can help you. That is why you must rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Romans, is it Philippians chapter 4 verse 4? Are you there? Then we have what we call the fruit. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is one fruit. Have you seen an orange fruit before? Orange fruit. You see that when you cut an orange fruit into two, you see various segments. 
and yet it is one fruit. That is how the fruit of the Spirit is like. It is one fruit, and yet there are various segments. We have love, we have joy, we have peace, long-suffering, patience, all those things. And then there's an aspect called faith, which the New King James says faithfulness. But I believe it's faith. Hallelujah. There's faith, which is different from the gift of faith. The gift of faith, when one receives the Holy Spirit and is imparted, brother, it is something else. If you've ever heard of a man like the late Archbishop Benson Idahosa, he operated the gift of faith like no man's business. He's a man who could go to the airport and play that he has paid for. It's gone. Then they say, oh, God, you are late. The flight is gone. He said, flight is gone. It is coming back. So I got a plane just left long time ago. I said, flight is coming back. And he just turned away before they realized, plane that are taking off came back to <laughs> hey, the gift of faith, man. That man in his Bible school will say, go and ask a man like Papa, Archbishop Duncan Williams. He will send students. He was a student in his Bible school. He will send students to mortuary. You're going to raise dead bodies. If you don't raise any dead body, you will not come back to the classroom. That is the gift of faith. It is audacious. It does the unimaginable. It makes you do the unthinkable. I pray the gift of faith will be imparted today. Oh yes. That gift can make you do crazy things. The human mind will think like, what, what is he doing? What is he, he's going to... And yet, look, look, somebody is sick. And instead of a man like, uh, what's his name? Smith Wigglesworth and Co. I mean, somebody is sick, and the person is supposed to be ministered today. Who just rather you hit your stomach, boom, and now rather bring healing. That's a gift of faith. Hallelujah! It is audacious. It is dangerous. So Paul is talking about two gifts in verse two of First Corinthians chapter thirteen. He talks about the gift of prophecy, and he describes the gift of prophecy, what it can do, and then he also talks about the gift of faith. And what he can do. Can we go back to verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 13? You will see it there. And though I have the gift of prophecy, comma, he didn't stop there. And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Then he said, And though I have all faith, that is the gift of faith, so that I could remove mountains. So the gift of faith makes you remove mountains. He said, But I have not love, I am nothing. But my emphasis this morning for purposes of our teaching on impartation through the laying on of hands is on the first line of verse 2, which says, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Can I say this? I have never heard it taught anywhere before. God is my witness. Never. But the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and said that what the church has never known all over the world is that the gift of prophecy is not only for you to speak forth whether at the faith level at the gift level or at the office level when we talk the levels of the prophetic these were the things that we taught the gift of prophecy is not just to speak forth but that gift comes with it something called understanding into all mysteries and all knowledge i got it for the first time I, I never knew this. I said the Spirit of God taught me this, what I'm teaching you right now. And then he said, this is why many times people say that preaching and teaching is also what? Prophecy. There are some books, when you read, they will tell you that prophecy includes preaching and teaching with power. The reason why they say so is simply because the person is preaching and teaching a certain level of revelation that came by understanding. So they call preaching and teaching prophecy. But we cannot call preaching and teaching necessarily to be prophecy. No, we cannot do that. Rather, it is the gift of prophecy that brought understanding, unusual understanding into all mysteries and all knowledge. That is why the person who preach and teach with such revelation. It is a gift. Hallelujah. Can I say something that I just heard in my spirit? I'm not saying by myself and I just heard right now and today this gift will be imparted. Hallelujah. Everybody must know his strength and his weakness. All of us. I have a weakness. I also know that I have a strength. By the special grace of God, I know that this has been my strength. 
And God wants me to impart it today to whosoever will and whosoever is ready. Understanding into all mysteries and all knowledge. With that, we can be established as a church. With that, we can go places. With that, you will have, you just know that, oh, this is how the body works. Because we are a body. Next week, Sunday, when I'm teaching on descending the Lord's body, you'll get to know that when you are wishing evil for a person in the body, actually you are wishing yourself evil. Because we are one bread and we are one body. But when you don't have understanding and you go into your closet, instead of you praying and binding demons, you are binding a fellow believer, you are actually binding yourself. It's because you lack understanding. In, in Psalm 82 verse 6, it says, They know not, neither will they understand. For I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But because you do not know, you will die like ordinary men. Say, I refuse to perish. Oh no. He says, they know not, neither will they understand. Understanding comes with a gift of prophecy. So you may find, can I mention a name, a man of God that we all know all over the world. A man like Pastor Chris Oyakilome. You may not find Pastor Chris prophesying. And yet, the grace on that man's life, why he can teach some mysteries and all knowledge, is simply because of the gift of prophecy. It comes with all understanding into all knowledge and all understanding. I mean, all mysteries and all knowledge. That's a gift. When you look at him, you may say, oh, this man is a pastor. But he carries something that has grown over the years. Some of the things can even be controversial. Especially when you have not grown to his level. You may say, the man, what is he saying? This one seems to be way out of board. And yet, it is the gift of prophecy. That gives you understanding into all mysteries and all knowledge. So if you're not at his level, you may not be able to communicate with him. Because the man is speaking, it is like a man like G.W. Kenyon. You know G.W. Kenyon? G.W. Kenyon, go for his books. He talks about new creation realities. And that is where someone like Pastor Chris Oyakulome has delved into and has gone so deep that he has understanding into all mysteries and all knowledge. It is a gift called the gift of prophecy. Today, as God gives you that grace, as God imparts that grace, you will find out that what could not be established, you start business and it collapses. That business, you will have the mystery. Mystery means secret. You will have the secret to now establish that business, to establish that home, to establish that financial enterprise, to establish that, that marriage, to establish that academic life, to even establish your health. I don't know why he sacrifices life. Oh, that I'm glad, so glad, so glad he.